Welcome to The Caleb Show. This is a show about the Bible, about renewing, and about the mind, where every week we discuss how the Word of God is sufficient for day-to-day living, no matter what is happening in your life. You will be challenged to make the Bible an essential part of your thinking and living. Join us now as we investigate the world through the ancient truth of God's Word. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So, right now, across the whole of the world, about the only thing that's dominating the news is the coronavirus. So, that is a hot topic right now. Just today, I read that uh, this is April 1st, the day I'm actually recording this, 2020. Uh, April 1st, 2020, and this morning in the news, it was saying how there we have not yet reached our peak number of people in America who have got the coronavirus, and that already 4,000 people have died, which is a larger number than what China reported to have had died. So it's still a very real thing that's going on right now. It's something that is very much in the forefront of everybody's mind. You can hardly go anywhere without a sign or a barrier or something that is reminding you that this is what is happening in the world as we speak. Now, the thing is, is that uh, usually when they talk about the number of people who are getting the coronavirus, they also turn around and talk about the number of people who have died from it or potentially could die from it. So that's why the title of this podcast is called The Coronavirus and How to Cheat Death, because there is a very real sense in the media, and maybe in a lot of people's minds, that this could be a very clear epidemic that will actually cause tens of thousands of deaths. But I want to try to share with you today that there is a way to cheat death. Now remember, the this podcast is has a sub-theme that goes through it, which is about renewing the mind. So one thing that I have discovered in my observations of the world over the last 30 years or so, and also my travels around the world in various countries, is that is that in many ways what Tommy Lee Jones said in Men in Black 1, the first film, is true. Remember that scene where he's talking to Will Smith? And Will Smith says, look... So there's aliens around. Why don't we just tell people? People are smart. They'll be okay with it. And Tommy Lee Jones, I think, very wisely responds. And he says, no, a person is smart. People are stupid. That's what he says. And I think the Bible actually bears this out. So when we read the scriptures, the goal is to have the mind of Christ or to, or to acquire the mind of God. That is one of the foundational elements of reading the scriptures, is to gain God's mind. And when we gain God's mind, we find that it gives our mind stability and peace and rest and wisdom and understanding and uh, an ability to see the world around us in a much more holistic way and in a much more uh, peaceful way, really, because to be honest, nothing is shocking God. God is not shocked by what's happening around the world. And if he's not shocked, and if he's not in a panic, then his people should not be shocked and they should not be in a panic. So I don't want to get into issues of eschatology and things like that, but I just want to point out the uh, attitude that God has and the attitude that we should also have as, as a reflection of his. So when you read the scriptures, 
one of the things that it points out is that the nations take, can take on a kind of drunkenness. It describes how the nations are like a drunk person. Now, a drunk person has a very difficult time being logical, has a very difficult time being uh, uh, critical in the way they think. They make poor decisions. They're not reasonable. So that seems to be exactly what is happening when it comes to the whole of the nations, is that there's that sense of uh, an uncertainty going on all the time. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you read the Bible, you'll know exactly all the answers to things like the coronavirus, but it does allow us a clarity of thought, and uh, because God gives us a clarity of thought, and it helps us, the, the scriptures there to renew our minds. So another thing that we often find, particularly when you read the Gospels, is it says over and over again that people that there were people who were confronting Jesus and they reason among themselves. And most of the time when you read that phrase and it says that a group of people reason among themselves, they actually are getting it wrong. They're getting the results of their reasoning are incorrect is what's happening. So Jesus represents the one who is correct in his assessment because he is the word of God. And so the word of God in person, which is Jesus, is a direct reflection of the word of God in text, which is the Bible. So these two things are always, always reflected and in balance with each other. So Jesus's acts and words in his human form is a direct reflection and a 100% reflection of the words of Scripture as given through the law and the prophets over the centuries. So they go together. So whenever you have a group in the Gospels that are reasoning among themselves, very often they get it wrong. The results are wrong. Jesus is right. The Scripture is right. The reasoning among themselves is wrong. So we see this in modern culture and we see this in modern media when for instance when hillary clinton ran for president a number of years ago there were so many people in the media and so many people in that sort of democratic uh leftist uh liberal crowd that they always only ever spoke to people who were also in that crowd so what they were doing was reasoning among themselves and as a result they did not have their finger on the pulse of the nation in effect and so the, the presidency was swept out from underneath her, and she didn't acquire it. And so, because I think they fell into the trap of reasoning among themselves. This is why it's always good to see things from a broader perspective and read various new, the news from a variety of sources. Now, having said all that, I want to talk about this idea of the coronavirus and cheating death. So, we all agree, the news is saying it, it seems to be a fact, that... Uh, at this point, at this recording, over 4,000 people have died in America of the coronavirus, not counting the number of people in Italy and in China and in uh, a number of other countries around the world that are struggling, Iran and places where there, where there are very real problems with dealing with, with the virus at the moment. So it seems as if death is on people's minds. That That is exactly how it's portrayed in the news. And, of course, uh, the reality is, is nobody really wants to die when it comes right down to it. I mean, I would say uh, perhaps even people who commit suicide don't want to die. They, they're almost forced into it because they have not reasoned out any other alternative source. And so of solving their problems. And... Uh, so that being the case, I think it's fairly safe to say that nobody really wants to die. And, but there has to be a way to cheat death, 
we we th there has to be a way to cheat death. I'll just suggest that because humans are born and they live and the scriptures tell us that there actually is a way to cheat death. And it's not that difficult when we think about it. So God is the highest mind there is, and he has imparted into the scriptures knowledge for us to glean from. And in that knowledge, he's presented actually what death is. Death is not a great mystery. The study of death is called thanatology. It's not a huge mystery because the Bible tells us what death is. Death, in one definition, is the wages of sin. So when we live in a life of sinfulness, we're paid with death because that's what our wages are. If we work for somebody, then we're given our wages and our wages is some monetary value attached to the kind of work, the labor that we do for that person or that company. So when we are living our life, God gives us life. It is given to us. It's almost like being offered a job. We are given, offered life, and we live this life. That comes from God. Genesis chapter 2, the, God breathed into the body of man the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And so all humans are a descendant of Adam as the first man, and then from Adam came Eve, and from Adam and Eve came the whole of the human race. So the reality is, is that the life that you are living now is a gift to you from God. It was offered to you. And so just like a job is offered to you, and as you do that job, you, you glean wages from it, you live the life that God has given to you. And as you live that life, you glean wages from it. And the wages of sin is death. So if you live a life of sin, then you're, then you're going to be paid in death. Now, physical death comes to everyone. Remember what it says in Genesis that Adam and Eve were told to not eat the fruit off of a particular tree. So when they did eat the fruit off that particular tree, they were doing it in direct rebellion against God. And God said, the day that you eat of that tree, you will die. Now, point, they did not die physically on the spot. They died later. But what happened is, is that the Hebrew implies dying, you will die. It's sort of an ongoing thing. So they ate off the, the tree. That was a direct rebellion against God that brought sin into their moral fiber. When the sin entered their moral fiber, then it brought with it the beginnings of death. So the wages of sin is death. So it began to grow and ferment within them. And it, you don't have to read very far into Genesis before you find out that there is murder and there is anger and there is hatred hidden, embedded in the human heart because of the sin that's been imputed to us. And so that being the case, we realize that what Paul says in Romans is true, that the wages of sin is death. Now, I'm not going to talk about uh, the, uh, the way you, so you can build up for yourself judgment uh, as a result of living a life of sin and judgment leading to death. I don't, I'm not going to focus right now on how you can do that toward life. There is a way to do that toward life, but we'll get to that in a minute. So the reality is, is in the scriptures, there are two different kinds of death. There's what I like to call good death and what I like to call bad death. So I just described to you what the essence of bad death is. Death ultimately is a, a another definition, is a separation from God. So when, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and the wages of sin is death, they then instantly became separated from God. They tried to hide themselves. 
So they were hiding themselves. They were creating their own separation from God, and they didn't want to be near him. Now, I think that's true in lots of circles in our society, is that people try to take the Ten Commandments off the walls in courtrooms. They don't want to have prayer in schools, things like this that are, that are they try to legislate law against God because they don't want to have that connection with him because they, they want to hide themselves from God. And so one of the grand philosophical joys of the theory of evolution, and if we accept the theory of evolution, is there is no God. And so atheists love the idea that there's no God because that means there's no judge. They can hide themselves. They hide behind their philosophy of evolution, their philosophy of atheism, so that they don't have to acknowledge that there's a God, and then they can live their life anyway. They jolly well please. So that's all in regards to bad death. So bad death is a separate, all death is a separation. Well, bad death is a separation from God, and that separation will grow and grow and grow, and it's paid, it's paid death, uh, the wages of sin is death, it's paid that, and then there's a final separation upon physical death. There's, a, there's a, a, an ultimate and final separation that completely eradicates your possibility of ever being near God, and that is, that's what happens at death. Now, we still say conscience, a person who dies separate from God in sin, uh, it still retains a consciousness. And that's a whole other topic when we talk about the relationship between the body and the soul and the spirit, which we will probably get to one day on another podcast. Uh, but then there's good death. Now, good death is when you die to self. And so dying to self looks like this. Uh, we have within us something called self, and self wants to do its own thing. Now, we are free to make our own decisions about our life because we have a free will. And so when we choose then to give up our life voluntarily, because we can hang on to our life, we can try to hang on to it, and then that'll actually make us wither up and die in bad death. But if we willfully give up our life, because what the Bible tells us is that Jesus came to to create a way to separate ourselves from the death that Adam brings. So when Jesus comes, he steps in and lives a life of no sin. And because he lived a life of no sin and then died and put himself in a position to die through trial and and conviction and ultimately con, uh, to be convicted to death— he went that route of death, but because he never sinned, God could not then charge him with the effects of eternal death, which is what he would have had had he ever sinned. So if the wages of sin is death, that eternal death is is put upon us for the rest of for all of eternity. So when Jesus died physically, which is the ultimate result of which is the, the short term result of, of us having this sin upon us. We actually do die physically, eventually, and then there's an eternal death that comes after that. And so, when Jesus died physically as a sinner, he was convicted as a sinner by the people who claimed to know the law. He was convicted as a sinner, but God had to look at him and say, but you haven't sinned. And because you haven't sinned, I can't now judge you eternally in sin. I have to free you from that. And so that's why Jesus is able to then break the law of sin and death. And so he's able, that's why he rose from the dead. 
He rose from the dead because death had no power over him, as it says in Scripture. And so he, in effect, defeated the enemy of death. So as a result, he cheated death. We could put it that way. So death tried its best to get him into its grip and pull him down the road of eternal death, but it didn't work because the life he lived, he lived in a sinless way. And so God could not then judge him in accordance with sin. So he overcame that. Now we're able to tap into that. If we willfully give up our life and say, it, by faith, faith is a persuasion toward something. If we're persuaded toward the reality of who Jesus is, then that reality then becomes part of us. And so we say, it's not I, it's Jesus Christ. It's not my life, it's his life. I need his life. I need to d- depart from the life of sin. I need to accept the fact that I was a sinner and that I need to turn away from that. When you turn away from that life of sin, which is the old term for that is repentance, but when you acknowledge that your life is a life of sin and you turn away from that, then you turn toward Jesus and you say, Jesus, I need your life now to live by. Galatians 2.20. If you live, if then God can put his life back in you, his fuller life, his spirit life, into you. Once that's done, you are now able to live a life of good death. And so good death is always setting aside your own self and taking on the life of Jesus. Setting aside your own expectations, your own uh, way of thinking and living and doing things and saying, you know what, I'm going to let the scriptures renew my mind so that I can live a life according to the way God wants me to live it. And when I do that, then I'll gain knowledge and understanding and wisdom, and it'll be the wisdom of God, and then things will begin, my mind and my heart will be settled, and I'll be able to have a, a peace that isn't there in any other way. So that's the difference between Bad death, which is hanging on to your own life and saying, I'm going to do things my way. And when you do things my way, then I'm going to make my own road. And if you make your own road, you'll end up going down the way of eternal death. But if you give up your life and say, no, there's a thing called good death. And good death is giving up your own life voluntarily to the Lord Jesus because he's already died the death that we don't have to die. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to physically die we will still physically die. A huge number of people will still physically die, even people who love the Lord Jesus and believe in the life that he imparts to us by faith because we've turned from our sins. We may still die. The coronavirus may still hit us and it may still snuff our life out of us. If that happens, it doesn't ultimately matter because we are eternal beings. And because we're eternal beings, we have two roads that we can go down, either the road that I've just described as the road leading to eternal death or a road leading to eternal life. And so there's a way to cheat this coronavirus thing, but we have to look beyond the physical. So always around us, we are trapped in a kind of physical environment. We get hungry, we want to eat, we get tired, we want to sleep, we stub our toe, we get cozy in our blankets to watch films. All of these things all revolve around the physical. But there's a higher spiritual life that that God is calling all people to. And in that higher spiritual life, we can walk with with a higher thinking and a higher mind. And when that happens then we, when we die, we're actually, through the Lord Jesus, 
tapping more fully into a greater and more powerful life that God would have for us. And that's quite a stunning life to live. And so, uh, even after the death. So our body may go, but our life will go, woo. (laughs) I know that really sounded stupid, didn't it? Um, And we'll end up in a greater way of living. And so we have to shift our thinking from bad death to good death. And that's the challenge, is to shift our thinking from bad death to good death. Now, Jesus, his one of his goals is to renew the mind, particularly through the scriptures. We're told in Romans 8 that, the, that Jesus and the Spirit are making intercession for his people. If you are not one of his people, then... He only has one thing to say to you, and that is repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing he has to say to you. But if you're, but if you are a believer in what Jesus has done, and you have given your life over to Him, then He can intercede for you, and in that intercession, He can He can give you. He's He's always seeking to give you His mind, and to walk in His way. And so the coronavirus is something that's happening around the world right now, but it is not something that ultimately anyone should fear in the sense of their eternal state. If there's a dread that comes upon you when you think about the coronavirus and you think about your life being taken away by this illness that's going around, if that's happening to you, then you need to pursue this idea of good life. Get yourself a Bible, read the book of Romans, read the book of John, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Actually, do it in the reverse order that I just said. Read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then read the book of John, and then read the book of Romans. When you get your head around these things and your heart around these things, you'll discover that there actually is a way to cheat bad death. And if I can cheat bad death, then I'll just, it'll be like the enemy will, the enemy, the last, the final enemy is death. And that enemy will not like that. And all men die, and women die, and children they all of them will die at some point, but there's a way to cheat that, and the only way to cheat it is through Jesus Christ. And uh, and now we can even live in that by having our mind renewed through the words of God and through the Scripture. And so get into the Scripture to rediscover what the Scriptures have to say and grasp hold of the mind that God is wanting to give to you. <laughs>